welcome to the AD's office with Alex Larson and Devin Puckett. All right, what's up, sports fans? Welcome to the AD's office. Office hours are officially open. He's Alex, I'm Devin, and we're here to take you through our takes on the NFL. Week six in the books, and so many storylines starting to unfold. I just want to open the show with an apology. We talked a lot about Brock Purdy and C.J. Stroud having a perfect uh, touchdown-to-interception ratio coming in to this week. They both threw interceptions. I'm not saying it's our fault, but I'm not saying it's not. Slight jinx? Just like a little bit? Enough that I... I'm sorry. I'm not superstitious, but I'm a little stitious. <laughs> a little stitious. No, I don't I don't mind it too much. They're still the two leaders in interception percentage on the season. They each only have one. So I won't sweat it too bad. They're they're looking fine. Yeah. They'll they'll recover just fine. It was a bad day overall for Brock Purdy and the Niners, though. Yeah. Yeah, not not great. Um, they were looking like they were definitively the best team in the NFL, right? I think we were kind of mm-hmm. consensus on that. Oh, yeah. And then they went up against the Browns, and they just had their numbers. Um, I think the Browns might have the best defense ever, question mark? It might be. It's certainly on pace for best ever, which is crazy especially when you think all-time great you have obviously the 85 bears yep. but even in the browns division the afc north you have the 2000 yep. baltimore ravens uh-huh and this browns team is genuinely threatening some of that they're on pace to be better than either of those teams they've already had their bye so they don't have a full six games worth of data but they do have five games worth of data and through those five games they've allowed like 201 or 202 yards per game something like that and only 15 points per game that's unheard of that's crazy and they're i mean they're when the turnover battle they're getting points on defense it's it just looks really really good a lot of that we've talked a ton about miles garrett this season yeah when you have a guy that's that special the best offensive lineman maybe in the league but certainly for the 49ers uh, Trent Williams yep on uh, there was a play that Miles Garrett was coming off a of blitz and he grabbed him and tossed him like a doll oh yeah it did not look like a professional offensive lineman against a professional defensive lineman it looked like a professional defensive lineman against a junior hire it was nuts And like you said, Trent Williams is in the conversation for the best, not only left tackle, but overall offensive tackle in the game. Yeah. Like he's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. And Miles Garrett wrestling moved him. Yeah, I don't know. It just better. Miles Garrett was just clearly better. But I don't think he had a sack this week, but obviously he showed up in way more ways than what was just on the stat sheet. I think that it can take us back to our conversation about what J.J. Watt was saying earlier this season. Mm -hmm. He didn't post a sack, but J.J., I hate to break it to you, there is definitely still a conversation between T.J. and a few others on best defensive player in the league. Oh, yeah. And in that same conversation, Micah Parsons iced the game against the Chargers, 
Cowboys basically put it to bed because yep. Micah Parsons got through, got a sack in the clutch moment, which we've talked about. TJ right. Watt, Miles Garrett, clutch plays from big time defensive stars keep showing up this season, and it's so fun. Yeah, and I think that was his only sack of the game too. So it was just they didn't show up huge on the stat sheet, but they made massive impacts. And for the Niners, that cost them their undefeated season thus far. You never want a football game to come down to a kicker, and I'm not going to blame the kicker. However, the 49ers kicker, Jake Moody, did miss a would-have-been-game-winning field goal at the end because they lost 19-17. Yep. Had he made that field goal, it'd be a walk-off win for the Niners. And instead, they, they walked out with their tails between their legs. And that is, an, I feel like, an interesting conversation on a broader scale because we, we've mentioned we love the NFL draft. Oh, yeah, big time. There was some serious uproar when the 49ers used a third-round pick on a kicker. Now, right. to be fair, Jake Moody was the best kicker in the draft. I'm not arguing that. But emphasis on kicker. (laughs) But a kicker. And for some perspective, other third-round picks that you probably recognize, Kirk Cousins, Tyron Honey Badger Matthew, Alvin Kamara, some legends like Jason Witten, Frank Gore, Brian Westbrook, some truly fantastic players, current and historic, are third-round picks. And you're telling me that a kicker has the same value as those guys? I'm not telling you. The 49ers <laughs> are telling you. Um, and I'm not saying that Jake Moody's not going to be good. He was one of the most sought-after kickers of the last several years' draft classes. But at the end of the day, he's a kicker. You can get an impact player in those early rounds. Mm-hmm. However, benefit of the doubt for the Niners, it doesn't really matter for them if they overdraft somebody. Like We look at someone like Trey Lance. He yeah. is literally irrelevant to their football club. It's a good it point. doesn't I mean, matter at all. And he was the equivalent of several first-round picks. Oh, yeah. Many, many first-round picks. But then on the flip side, the Niners found their starting quarterback in the seventh round. Exactly. So they can find value in these other places, which is why they feel comfortable taking their guy where they thought he could go. Yeah. But... And it it was really the only weakness on the Niners roster after last season... Because they ended the season in the NFC Championship game, and we really talked about if Purdy hadn't gotten injured, if whatever, it was really a quarterback injury story. Yep. The rest of the roster looks solid except for kicker. So I don't don't hate them trying to fill an obvious need, but I'm also looking at greatest kickers of all time, Adam Vinatieri, currently Justin Tucker, undrafted, undrafted players who we knew were excellent in college. Yeah, that that is something that they for sure missed on. And at the end of the day, there's going to be a lot of draft gurus out there that say, like, never draft a punter and never draft a kicker. Yep. And they look really, really smart right now. They do, especially when Justin Tucker, as I said, undrafted, nailed six field goals this weekend for the Ravens. Yeah, that's not too shabby. That's a busy day. And the Ravens won 24-16, so obviously not 100% kicking it, but kind of 18 of your points coming off of the kicker's foot. There's not a ton of games where a kicker needs to shower after the game is over. 
he definitely had to shower after the game was over. He Not bad. He work. earned it. He earned it. Yeah. Uh-huh. He he was he was sweating, I bet. Oh yeah. Tucker earned his earned his flight home from London. He earned his flight home. Hook him. Hook him. I will say if we foreshadow the power rankings a little bit, the mm-hmm. Ravens have continued to struggle a little bit. But the overall powerhouse in the AFC, they've been in the driver's seat for five years now. Chiefs, they won, like we all said, but major struggles. Yeah, it wasn't a beatdown. And if we're back to, I feel like a broken record at this point, good teams beat up on bad teams. Yep. The Denver Broncos are a bad team. Not Very a bad team. so-so team, not an average team. They're bad. And their defense is bad. Yeah. They gave up. 70 points like they're they're bad and the Chiefs put up 19 and most of that was field goals there there was one touchdown but otherwise it was a bunch of field goals a lot of stalled drives Mm -hmm. they just don't quite look in sync no something is majorly off and I'm not sure that anybody knows exactly what it is but if they don't figure it out in the next four or five weeks they may not be hosting the AFC Championship like we've become used to them doing. Which is kind of crazy that we're talking about a down year for the Chiefs means being on the road in the AFC Championship game. Yeah. But we, it really is. It's that. No, it it totally is. You're absolutely right. Patrick Mahomes has never not hosted the AFC Championship game in his entire career. He's never not hosted. That's ridiculous. That's the expectation we have for him now. Mahomes is a cheat code. As as much as I'm bagging on them right now, they're still 5-1, and one and they're still easily in the driver's seat to be the one seed. But they just, like you've been saying all season, it's kind of been your mantra, mm-hmm. they don't beat up on bad teams. The Bears. They beat up on the Bears. Who doesn't? That's it. Yeah. But the interesting thing, the Chiefs won loss, because, yeah, 5-1, and one, they're doing just fine on the record. And their one loss isn't a bad loss. They No, It looked all. a little bit... I think bigger at the beginning because we weren't sure what the Lions were going to turn into. The Lions are also five and one. Yeah. And that first game was without Travis Kelsey. So the Chiefs right. were playing a genuine top tier team in the Detroit Lions, missing their best offensive player outside of Patrick Mahomes. So it's not a terrible loss, but they're not nearly as dominant as we have come to expect. On the flip side in that game, Russell Wilson, who we thought was a big-time quarterback, forget all the stats about his completion percentage. and his, He hasn't been the issue this season. I think the most telling thing at, coming out of this game against the Chiefs, he only threw 22 passes. He was a terrible 13 of 22 on the completion, but he only attempted 22 passes. The league average is 34. That's tough. When I see that attempts being so low, there are two things that stand out. Number one, the Broncos offense is not staying on the field. Good point. But number two, Sean Payton, offensive head coach, doesn't trust Russ. It does make me put my draft cap on and think, okay, we know the contract's bad. We know you guys don't have many picks, A, from the Russ trade, and then B, from the Sean Payton trade. How are you going to fix this team? Are you willing to ditch Russ despite the contract and despite the draft capital invested? Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what you do. 
the contract is an albatross, but Sean Payton also comes with a ton of expectations. They gave up a first-round pick to get him. Yep. It was supposed to work. It's not working, and I don't know if it's a personality clash between Payton and Russ. Yeah, it's I'm not it's sure. It's not great. It's a mess. Um, but circling back to even what you said, the Chiefs won loss against Detroit, mm-hmm. like you mentioned. Yep. At the beginning of the season, it was a lot of, all right, we hear we hear you guys saying we're back. You're, you're over there and you're yelling, I'm him. Look at what we did at the end of last season. Yep. But you still missed the playoffs. This season, over your last 16 games, they're 13-3. and three. Yeah. And good teams beat bad teams. Good teams also beat good teams. The Buccaneers are a good team. The Buccaneers are a lot better than people thought they'd be. And the Lions made them look an entire tier below. Yeah, and through this point last season, Detroit was 1-5. and five. Yep. Why were they 1-5? and five? It wasn't because of their offense. They had, I think they had literally the number one offense in the league through six games last season. They're averaging north of 34 points a game. They're also allowing north of 34 points a game because they had, yeah. through six weeks, the worst defense in NFL history last year. But this year... The offense has been good. They're, I think, yards and points-wise, they're both in the top 10 this year for Detroit. Yeah, it sounds right. However, they've got the number two rushing defense in the league right mm-hmm. now. And they've got, I think, a top 15 pass defense in the league right now. Or they may have dropped below that because they allowed some garbage time touchdowns sure. to Bryce Young and Jordan Love. Yeah. But that defense is looking scary at the moment. Oh, yeah. And after the game... Head coach Dan Campbell was giving out game balls, and he specifically said, defense, sorry, I don't have any for you, because you all deserve one. Yeah. Across the board, defense stepped up, played out of your minds. There really wasn't a single player that you're like, ah, he did it. There wasn't that Micah Parsons or that Miles Garrett, where it's like, no. he's clearly the best player. Aiden Hutchinson's phenomenal. We talked about him, but he isn't so much better than the rest of that defense. Right. That defense is just good all over right and they're down three starting members of their secondary yeah. you could say two because emmanuel mosley he only actually played six snaps for detroit this season coming back his torn acl ends up tearing his other acl mm. on like his third snap or something like that I hate that so that's tough makes me think going back to the team we were just talking about yeah. the broncos are you going to be sellers detroit are you going to be willing to pay whatever it takes to get patrick certain 100 percent. if i'm detroit I would. Yep. And as a Vikings fan, I'm hoping that somebody outbids Detroit because he fills an immediate need, upgrades that defense a huge step because Sertain is yeah. legit. He's a top five, three, top three corner in the NFL. Borderline top three. It'd be interesting to see him in, on a team that wasn't terrible. Yeah, that's for sure true. We'll see how much it costs. If I'm Detroit, I'm willing to move your first rounder. You're hoping your first rounder is in the 30s anyways. Yeah. High 20s is what you're really hoping yeah. for. Detroit is in legitimate talks right now. You know, they're being looked at as not only are they maybe the best team in the NFC, are they the best team in the NFL at this exact moment? Which is bizarre for me to say as a Lions I, yeah. fan. Now, I saw somebody posted... And they said, this is the best Lions team that you have seen in your lifetime, regardless of how old you are. Yeah. the I mean, if you're like 60 and you watch the Lions, 
you know, in the mid nineties, then you got to see a playoff win. Right. But a, a playoff win. And if you went back far enough, you got to watch Barry Sanders, which I'm sure was magical to watch real time. Oh yeah. But they weren't good. They were making the playoffs and they were winning the division, but they weren't ever winning in the playoffs. Like they only won the one playoff game. If we win only one playoff game, I'm going to be kind of upset. Oh, it'd be an absolute letdown this year. And the fans know it. The fans are buying in. We talked about the Green Bay game. There were so many Lions fans that the Packers actually put out a statement as an organization talking about. Yeah. We have guests. The jerseys in Tampa. It was at Tampa. Half that stadium was Honolulu blue, and it was ridiculous. It may have legitimately been more than that, even. It looked like a Detroit home game. It was wild. It was crazy. I will say, on the topic of jerseys, the Tampa Bay Creamsicle jerseys. Chef's kiss. Get my vote for best jersey of the weekend. Mm. Make those your permanent jerseys. NFL, let teams wear alternates whenever they want to, because those things are fantastic. Not only alternate jerseys, but the alternate helmets. Let them wear whatever they want. Who cares? Yeah, why does this nah, I love it. why does this matter to you at all? I get that you want a supply and demand thing. Like if you show it too much, maybe people won't buy it. No. <laughs> no, I'd no. still buy it. <laughs> I would still and I'm gonna go out of my way to buy it even if it's not available. Like I'm gonna figure it out. I genuinely want to know the rationale for the NFL behind not allowing jersey and helmet changes. Cause if you're telling me it's a money issue, you're lying. You're lying. How much is one team worth? How much did the commanders get sold for? You know, there's yeah. So times 32 and some teams are going to be worth more than that. The commanders aren't particularly relevant. How much are the Cowboys worth by themselves? I don't know. Gotta be pushing 10. Yeah. I'm, I think they're the sports franchise worth the most money in the world. Yeah, consistently. And nobody knows the real value until you try to sell it. Right. But if the commanders sell for $6 billion and the TV contracts that the NFL has, are they're in the billions with all the major networks, don't tell me it's a money issue. Yeah, it's not. You're, you're lying. You put it best when you were like, if you say this, you're lying at 100% accuracy. So I want to I see more of the uh, Cream School jerseys, please, and thank you. On the flip side of the NFC North. Yeah. The Vikings, your team. Yeah. Yeah. Some had big expectations coming into the year. I would say those were pretty much only... It was almost a flip-flop of Detroit is everybody outside of Detroit had massive expectations for Detroit, and they're now living up to it. Yeah. I think most people were questioning Minnesota, and for sure, now it the- looks like they're right. Yeah. It's to an extreme, but... I think the Vikings are definitely better than their record. Yes, I'd agree. However, your record matters, and your record is what determines if you make the playoffs. Yes. And so it's fun to win, and you should win against the Bears, especially when Justin Fields was out for the end of that game. But at some point, you got to start talking, if you're a Vikings front office member, I'm not saying tank. But winning will hurt your draft stock, and are you genuinely a playoff contender? Without Justin Jefferson, not a playoff contender. Period. Yeah, I think that's got some validity to it for sure. But on the flip side, I also think 
how much can you actively try to tank? I don't think I don't think tanking is particularly a thing in the NFL, which we've covered no. before. Yep. Maybe towards that very end of seasons, like yeah, you could lose past that last week game. ten or eleven. You know, yeah, last game, like you just said. But you know, we're in week seven. Right. I don't think that's really a thing, especially not yet. And Kirk Cousins in the most anticipated, least surprising thing of the entire NFL season said he's not going to waive his no trade clause. I could also tell you that the earth continues to spin and the sky is blue. Yep, same old, same old. So how many games can you really lose with a team that is this decent? They're not bad. They're not a bad team. They just have bad ball security. Yeah, and that's been a huge story. We've talked about the turnovers, fumbles specifically. The Vikings have lost seven fumbles. They've fumbled more than that. They've lost seven this season. Yikes. They lost eight all of last season. So a third of the way through this season. They're basically at the same. Tough. That said, if you're the Vikings, you look at the upcoming schedule. Obviously, Jefferson is out for at least the next three games. It sounds like probably closer to four or five but you look at that upcoming schedule. You got the 49ers at home on a Monday night. Don't love that matchup in any reality. But after that, you have Packers, Falcons, Saints, Broncos, and Bears again. Those are all very winnable games. Yeah. I still think that Minnesota can get to six, seven wins, and that may take them out of the Caleb Williams running. You know, are you willing to trade up from. Five, six, seven, eight, ninth, maybe. Right. To get to number one or number two to have a top prospect. Yeah, and it's going to get pricey. And we'll talk about the draft more toward the end of the season, into the offseason. Right now, it looks like the Chicago Bears are going to have the top two picks because they have their own. And then they have the one they got in the trade with the Carolina Panthers, who moved up for Bryce Young. Right. If the Bears have the two top picks or even two of the top four They're not going to want to trade with the Vikings, certainly not at a discount. I will admit that Quezzy has done deals with both Detroit and Green Bay already in his short career. Yeah. So he could get the trifecta, do some deals with Chicago. Ryan Poles would have to be willing to pick up the phone, though. And we'll see. I think a big part of Chicago's conversation the rest of the season is if Justin Fields comes back it was a dislocated thumb I believe yeah so it's looking like two weeks maybe is the turntable for that it's not that big of a deal it's something that like if one of us dislocated our thumb while we were typing at our desk jobs we'd be annoyed but we're not going to use PTO no he has to grip a football yeah a little different but he'll come back relatively quickly yeah the question is do they even bother bringing him back you let that thing heal. He's worth nothing injured to you, and he's worth nothing on the trade market. Yeah, the trade market is a great point. I'll beat this to death in the off season, but people like to think that the NFL is a an automatic, well, this guy's really good, so I'm going to get a great pick for him, and that's just not how the NFL operates. When no. you look at something like the NBA, the trades are not comparable and not even close to comparable. You might have a really, really good player in the NFL, and he might get traded for a fifth-round pick in two years. It's just the way the NFL operates. So with knowing that, you're already looking at maybe a second- or third-round pick for Fields, 
if you let him get hurt worse. Right. No, your value goes way down. And that's a good point. And I, it may even get its own podcast episode in the offseason of why trades for big-name players aren't as big as you'd think. The simple answer is money. The NFL Definitely. has a salary cap. And rookie players are cheaper than veteran players, even if the veteran players aren't good. They're still more expensive. Right. So the superstar or, I guess, above average level starters that you get as a, on the veteran market, like a Justin Fields with this point, is in the veteran conversation. Maybe not the above average conversation, though. That's a good point. <laughs> that, aside, that aside, there is the simple math that you have to pay the veterans more to stay under your salary cap versus you said like an NBA they can pay a luxury tax and go over that salary cap a little bit. NFL is a hard cap. Right. It's a hard cap. You have to remain under it. And also in something like the NBA, they basically have salary slots and players are all kind of paid the same-ish. Or you might get a super max, and, but super maxes are the same for different levels of players and things like that. And yep. the NFL, cash is king. I'm going to pay you whatever I want so that I can get you on my team. Yep. And if no one else is going to offer that, I can pay you as little as I want. Yep. And then you have wacky things like Kirk Cousins will get $90 million fully guaranteed. And Patrick Mahomes doesn't get that much fully guaranteed, but his total value, if he plays it out, is over half a billion. Exactly. So with all that being said, Bears, do you continue to write out Justin Fields or do you take Marvin Harrison and whatever defensive lineman or offensive tackle we end up saying is the next best prospect. Yeah. Or you hit the reset button again and you go with Caleb Williams, Drake may, whoever you want to stick in as the best quarterback for what Chicago wants to do and kind of reset your clock. That's probably a conversation that the owner will have with Ryan Poles, the general manager and whoever the new coach is and whoever the new coach is. Cause that, is almost inevitable. Yeah, that's bound to happen eventually. Speaking of inevitable, Tyreek Hill getting fined for celebrations. If you didn't see it this weekend, Tyreek Hill scored a touchdown, ran over to the front row of the seats, grabbed a cell phone from a fan, and did a standing backflip while recording the video. It was awesome. It was incredible. And if you are actively on Twitter slash X while games are happening. There was a brief moment that the NFL posted that video and so quickly removed it and immediately took it down because they realized uh, they have to find him for that. So Dev, what is your take on the NFL finding players for touchdown celebrations? I think that a few years ago we referred to the NFL as not the National Football League, but instead as the No Fun League. And I think that that was in full-fledged view of everybody in America this past weekend when we watched Tyreek Hill do that. And we've seen him, like you said, it's kind of inevitable for him to get fined at this point. We've seen him throw up the peace sign to people as he sped past them before, and he's gotten fined for that. Roughly $10,000. Yeah, and Calvin Johnson used to get fined for throwing up uh, a football over the uprights. Jimmy Graham got fined for it. Yeah. I believe Randy Moss got fined for his fake mooning, and he didn't even actually moon anyone. So there's there's plenty of things out there where the NFL is just like, yeah, we don't want to show this for 
pretty much yeah. no reason. That's what's it hurting? What's it hurting? That's a yeah. That's exactly it. And even recently, Justin Jefferson did a too small celebration after scoring a touchdown. He got fined. Ridiculous. There's some gray area with things like Stefan Diggs grabbing some beers and doing a stone cold Steve Austin. He didn't drink any of the beer, which I realized would violate some kind of uh, endorsement deals. But he didn't drink any. He got fined because he grabbed beers out of the stadium or out of the stands. Pretty funny, though. (laughs) It was pretty funny. And then there's like the more understandable things. George Kittle flashed a T-shirt that said F the Cowboys. Really funny, though. Got fined for it. Knew he was going to get fined for it. And if I'm... The NFL, I understand drawing a line on Kittle having an expletive on his shirt. Sure. Because you're, you're on live TV. Yeah. You actually, you actually can get in trouble for that kind of stuff. Right. And I kind of understand why they might be against celebrating with alcohol because you say that you're a family-friendly product. We'll just completely ignore the fact that yep. Bud Light and Miller and Coors have endorsement deals with teams all over. And that every other commercial is a gambling ad and, you know, we'll ignore all those other things for you, NFL. We'll we'll ignore the actual moral stances you have displayed, but I understand wanting to take a moral stance on alcohol as as an organization. But like a a backflip? Too small? Right. Flexing on a guy? Come on. I get the alcohol. I get the F Dallas. I think they're both funny. Would I do them if I was an NFL player? No. Am I going to drop an F-bomb on our podcast? Absolutely not. No. I think George Kittle wearing a t-shirt is hilarious, though, especially because it's at the expense of the Cowboys. Which is good entertainment. Right. Anytime that the Cowboys are down bad, it's up big for the dev. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) But But even the Cowboys had kind of an iconic touchdown celebration. Zeke Elliott really adopted it when they would have their Salvation Army red kettle game. Yeah, jump on in. And he would jump in the kettle after scoring a touchdown. That's a fine. And so the first time he did it years ago, Zeke got fined and he went very public about it. He was like, I got fined. It was like 30 grand or something crazy. And he's like, I'm going to go ahead, turn around and donate that to the Salvation Army. And I'm going to double it because this isn't about me and this isn't about the NFL taking our paychecks. And so that just became a thing. Like the Cowboys still do. Right. Dak yeah. will jump in the kettle. CD will jump in the kettle. I'm sure if Micah Parsons gets a score, he'll jump in the kettle. But the league is fining players. And I know there are rules. I know they put those in place for a reason. But at what point are they just making football less fun? Yeah. At no fun. They already met that point. They're already there. Um, it was when they decided to start finding people for things like making a snow angel. Yeah, no, yeah. that doesn't serve any purpose, guys. Let's get no. back to the fact that we're all watching this because it's entertainment and it's a sport we like. And these are humans that want to show their emotions when they do something. Totally. We And we want to celebrate with them. We want to see players happy and excited. I totally understand drawing a line on direct taunting. Right. Don't get it. Don't get in an opposing team's face. Don't touch the opposing team in your celebration. Like I get that, but you're telling me that flexing on a guy that you just caught a pass over is taunting? No, that's not 
He knows you're better than him. You just scored. Or a backflip. You're telling me the backflip is excessive? I think it's just the right amount. You're te- like you're telling me that defensive back didn't know that Tyreek Hill was an athletic freak? No, he knew. He knew. No, he probably did a backflip out of the tunnel. It's understood. You didn't show me anything I didn't know. It's ridiculous. No fun league. Turn it down. Come on. We're here. We're here for entertainment. Let them celebrate. Let it be fun. We're not all the Patriots. Some of us want to have fun. Right. And I don't think that they have much to celebrate anyways. So not a bad deal for them, except for the six rings that the rest of us don't have. They do have a lot of jewelry, but nothing this year to talk about. The Patriots are bad. They're just they're bad. They lost to the Raiders, who we've also been talking about as bad. One one thing that's crazy to me about the Raiders, they're probably going into next week with a winning record, and we're going to have them probably as a bottom five team on our podcast. And they're going to be a winning team at week seven, probably. It's a really good point. Which that's is just really... ridiculous. And I'm not going to yeah. move them up in the power rankings, despite the fact that they have a much, much better record than some of the teams that all have at like yeah. 18th or something random. Yeah, no, it's an interesting conversation because the Raiders right now, three and three, but you're right. They could walk out of next week with a winning record, still be a bottom five team. And I'm fine with it. I feel completely justified. Exactly. They're better than the Patriots, though. Exactly. Because the Patriots are terrible. And I think it's interesting after that game, which basically ended another defensive play. It was essentially a safety for the win for the Raiders. Mac Jones took a sack in the end zone. Yep. We've seen Mac Jones get benched twice this season. Good old Bailey Zappi. It's Zappi time. And yet, when a reporter asked Mac Jones after the game how he feels about being the right quarterback for this team, his response was basically, I'm confident that I am the right guy for this team. I believe I have earned my position as the starting quarterback. But have you, though? But, yeah, what have you What have you actually done? His rookie year was good. I will admit his rookie season, he looked like... He looks like a player coming out of Alabama should look. Yeah, but what have you done for me lately? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. And it's just the confidence is what shocks me because I don't understand where it's coming from. Like, is he genuinely so not self-aware that he thinks he is an average starting quarterback in the NFL? He's not average. It, no, absolutely not. Not right now anyways. And I'm not... I'm not someone who's going to call another player an absolute bust. You can't change your career only three years in. You have yeah. time to make up for it. Totally. But if your career ended today, you're a bust. You're terrible. You do not deserve to be in the NFL right now. There are plenty of guys on couches like Justin Pugh. Straight off the couch. Straight off the couch who would love to get a shot to play in the NFL right now. Mac Jones as it stands today, absolutely does not deserve it. And Teddy Bruschi even talked a bit about how Bill Belichick looks like he's lost it some. Yeah, and it was interesting hearing Bruschi talk about Bill Belichick. It's a combination of maybe lost his edge, but also maybe lost his desire to coach. Yeah. Bruschi obviously was a part of the Patriots organization for a long time. and Won several Super Bowls, I believe. Yeah, and so he knows what it's like in that building, in that environment that 
we have credited Bill Belichick with developing. But what Brewski talked about was Bill has always coached for what they called meaningful wins. Yep. Every week is not a meaningful game. Meaningful games are, for them, it's winning the AFC East. Yep. It's making the AFC Championship. It's making the Super Bowl. Tom Brady, in his entire career, never played in a game in which he was mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Not only did he never play in a game, but he never took a single snap under center where he was mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Just an absurd level of success that the Patriots have had. So with that changing, because there's playoffs are gone. Playoffs aren't happening. Oh, for sure. You're in Especially the same division. with the way the Bills and the Dolphins and even the Jets look. And even the Jets. You're the worst team in the division. Maybe you could make it close with the Jets because Rodgers is hurt. But even then, they're putting up massive fights, and their defense is Super Bowl caliber. Yeah. They're really just a bottom feeder right now. Yeah, the Patriots are not good. And if Bill's only motivation is big games, there aren't any of those left. No, no, there's not. You're playing strictly for pride right now. And all-time, I think, has right. a chance to be the all-time winningest coach in NFL history. Yeah. But but if that doesn't motivate him, why? Yeah, I I think another thing that Teddy hit on, or it may have been someone on 1500 AM um, for ESPN Radio, they mentioned they don't think that Bill is someone who could get fired mid-season. And they don't mm -hmm. think maybe even that he'll get fired ever, but that if he's not coaching meaningful games, yeah, he's probably just going to walk away. And I don't think that's crazy. That all-time coaching record, Bill's a long way from it. It's Don Shula has 328. Belichick is sitting at 299. 29 wins is not two seasons. It's with this roster... Five, six. If he had Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and Julian Edelman, two seasons would make sense. Yeah, two seasons with playoffs. If with you, playoffs. You could probably do it in two, but this is not that roster. No, it is not. Mac Jones is not Tom Brady, contrary to what we were all led to believe in his draft class. And no one else on the offense is anywhere close to Gronk or julian edelman or the likes at some point the patriots are going to have to have a conversation about mac jones you're going to end up with a good draft pick do you just hit the reset button and does that reset button include a new head coach i did see one person say though okay bill if you get the number one pick do you stick around for caleb williams robert Kraft, if you have the number one pick do you let bill belichick take a swing at it that's a better way of phrasing it. I don't know. I it's don't know. Interesting conversations. Brand new, uncharted territory for the New England Patriots to be objectively bad. Yeah, they are objectively bad, which is crazy to think that it wasn't that long ago that they were playing the Eagles in the Super Bowl, who yeah. they had a down year, and then last year are just right back to the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. and are now just they may be the third best team in the NFC right now. The top three are really yeah, they're close. debatable at this exact moment. 
but they're a team that is still very much in the running for a Super Bowl. Yeah, and the Eagles, after that Super Bowl against the Patriots, because they went into that one, it was going to be the Carson Wentz Eagles, which became the Nick Foles Eagles. Right. And I think that front office rightly looked at the roster and said, okay, we're really good. We made the Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl, but we're not going to be able to do it again with Nick Foles. Let's go get a genuine star quarterback brought in Jalen Hurts. He has lived up to that yeah. in every way. Jalen Hurts is a phenomenal locker room guy. Yeah. Has that reputation carried with him from Alabama to Oklahoma to the NFL. I have been a big Jalen Hurts fan since college. I thought he handled the Alabama shuffle with Tua very well. Yeah. I think Tua was the better player at that point in their careers, but I was super impressed with how Jalen Hurts handled it as a just person level. He's been a phenomenal leader for the Eagles, and every time you see him in a press conference or talk to fans or the likes, he's just impressive in every yeah. single way. Yeah, and the Eagles like him, and they're giving him tools. They obviously made a huge trade for A.J. Brown last season to up their offensive firepower. They drafted Devontae Smith, and then this week they brought in Julio Jones to just give them another weapon. The ghost of, but yeah. Perhaps the ghost of Julio Jones. Then again, the ghost of Julio Jones is still potentially really threatening. Maybe. I'll go ahead and put it out into the internet that I don't think he has more than 300 yards and more than... I'll max it out at maybe three or four touchdowns on the year. Sure. So you're thinking more Casper, less Dementor. More Casper, less Dementor. All right. That's that's probably fair. If I'm an Eagles fan, I like it simply because you're not asking Julio to be your wide receiver one or your wide receiver two. You're basically asking him to be a jump ball red zone threat because he's big. He's a big dude. And you're giving yourself a little bit of security if A.J. Brown gets banged up, if Devontae Smith gets banged up, if Dallas Goddard gets banged up. You have another weapon to put out there who has experience in big games, who has genuine longevity in the NFL. It's been a few years since he's been good. I think it's even been more than a few years, and it's really reminiscent of me. When he got added to the Bucks. what did he do? He played in 10 games, had two catches. They were both touchdowns. But he yeah. had two catches in 10 games for n virtually no yards. Yeah, it wasn't super impactful. But those touchdowns, I will say, I think the primary impact of Julio Jones in Philadelphia is uh, frustration for A.J. Brown fantasy owners. Oh, 100%. That's definitely what it's going to be. Because Julio's going to hawk a couple touchdowns that otherwise would have gone to A.J. Brown as the other big-bodied receiver. Yeah, and that's going to be a bummer as an A.J. Brown fantasy owner. <laughs> um, but I think it's not really going to matter too much. It reminds me of when Josh Gordon got added to the Chiefs, if we want to use a very literal example of when Julio got added to the Bucks, It just doesn't matter that much when teams take flyers on these older receivers who were, at one point in time, extremely dominant in conversations of a top two, three, four receiver in the league. But just right now, 
it it doesn't matter that much. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day, but right you now, think so? I think he'll get in. Um, not necessarily as a first ballot, but when it comes down to it, he's probably going to retire with most yards per game. He's going to retire with a whole lot of yards in general. He's going to retire with a whole lot of touchdowns. Yeah, I think overall his stats are, are like half of Larry Fitzgerald. Not that it's a direct comparison. Larry Fitzgerald is the most recent, I feel like, shoe-in Hall of Fame wide receiver. But Julio's definitely going to be in that conversation. I'll say this. There's been some, let's say some smoke, that Antonio Brown is a Hall of Famer. Uh, Maybe. If Antonio Brown is in the Hall of Fame, Julio Jones is in the Hall of Fame. Oh, definitely. For sure. There's, there's no question in my mind. There is a world in which Julio is a Hall of Famer and A.B. is not. If A.B. gets in, Julio was already there. Part of my thought process is in modern NFL history, over the last 20-some years, there have been three first ballot Hall of Fame receivers. And they are probably the three best receivers in NFL history. The most recent being Calvin Johnson. Yep. And then Randy Moss and Jerry Rice. They're probably the top three receivers in NFL history. As far as styles go, Julio mm-hmm. Jones is essentially the same thing as Calvin Johnson. They're two of a kind. No one else is ever going to be like them. Yeah. But Julio put up decently similar numbers to Calvin. Calvin got in and not only got in, but on his first try. So I think Julio gets in eventually. Probably. And deservedly so. If he can throw in a few more touchdowns and maybe put a little uh, ring on it. I, I uh, like his yeah. chances. That yeah. looks good. The rings the rings are nice. Everyone likes jewelry. Everybody likes jewelry. It's not the main criteria, and we'll talk about it in the offseason. Uh, what is a Hall of Fame criteria, really? Sure. Rings aren't everything, but they do make things official. They make things a lot more pretty. Mm-hmm. Speaking of recent ring winners, kind of, the Rams, yeah. they took it to the cards this week. Yeah. As expected, Cooper Cup is back. Cup looks really good. It was a down week for Puka Nakua, who's kind of been filling in that Cooper Cup role. But if you have enough wide receiver talent that you can have an off week from the guy who's been your go-to and you still win, you're doing okay. And I think he still had something like 10 targets. So fantasy managers of Puka, don't be too dismayed yet. Yeah, it's work in progress. And you got to work a guy like Cooper Cup in. He's obviously the star of that wide receiving core. So you've got to find ways to get him in, give him some easy targets, make sure that he gets back into a rhythm after being out for a few weeks. The more interesting piece of the conversation with that game, I think, is what are the Cardinals going to do coming off another loss? They're sitting at one and five. What are they going to do with Kyler Murray? He is on the physically unable to perform list, start of the season on the pup. That eligibility goes through week, well, now through week nine. If he's not activated by week nine, he's done for the season. If they activate him, they have 21 days. It's a literal three weeks, not three NFL weeks, but a literal 21 days to get him back on the active roster at practice. If they don't do that, he, again, is out for the season. If you're the Cardinals, you're moving on, right? Kyler's not your quarterback next year. Yeah, I think they very intentionally got those two first-round picks this year. They want to be able to get a new quarterback. 
they're going to deal Kyler and they're going to get something like a second or a third back for him. And they're going to be very happy with that. And Drake may or Caleb Williams. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I looking at their schedule, the Cardinals play the Seahawks, Ravens, and Browns in the next three where you don't have to activate Kyler yet. They lose those games with or without Kyler, I think. Right. With this roster. Yeah. Right. But then they, then they play Falcons, Texans, and Rams. I think they for sure lose to the Rams again. Right now, the Texans look actually pretty good. Yeah, they look decent. So you maybe have one winnable game, maybe two, if you want to get lucky somewhere. The Cardinals are probably better off letting Kyler just sit. Let his highlights from last season be what you use to trade him. Definitely. And they're not going to want to risk him getting any more hurt, just like we talked about with Fields. Just let him sit, deal him, get your pick, build your roster with your new coach, and be good. Yeah. they And it's like you said, their roster is just not deep enough to sustain injuries. They're not a deep enough roster to make any real moves this year. So let that go. Deep roster, though, Miami Dolphins. I feel like we have to mention them, and I'll just go ahead and spoil. They are my number one team this week. I believe they're yours as well. They are my number one this week. I did. I went back and forth quite a bit. When I look at something like strength of schedule, Mm -hmm. which is not a be-all, end-all, they just, they've played a bunch of cupcakes, except for the Bills. But it's also interesting If I am true to my good teams beat up on bad teams, the Dolphins have only trailed at halftime in one game, and it was the game that they lost to the Bills. And they lost big, 48-20. But all of their other games, they have led at the half, and they've gone into the second half and maintained or pulled ahead. Right. So with them getting beat by the Bills and the Bills being maybe not great, good but not great type of thing, yeah, that, that makes me question them. It's a blemish for sure. Yeah. I do think that this week or this season has been really a what's the shiniest toy for me right now mm-hmm. for the number one spot, Yep. which we usually have a team that ends up seven, eight, nine, ten, and oh, right? And that's just not the case this year. Yeah, both the undefeateds lost this week. Yeah, exactly. So it's tough to see who is truly the best team in the league, which makes for better football. Totally. And I think some of it is the super subjective eye test. When I watch some of these teams, we talked about the Bills didn't look super impressive against the Giants. The Chiefs haven't looked like they have it all together. The Eagles just, they're winning, but they don't look quite right. They tumbled out of the top five for both of us. The Dolphins look, granted against some cupcakes, they look scary. Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. And that's why the 49ers stayed in that one spot for a couple weeks. Yeah. As they consistently looked good. Yep. They lost this week, but okay. That was maybe to what we already said is possibly one of the best defenses of all time. They had several injuries. Christian McCaffrey is a big one. Debo oh, yeah. is a, a decent sized one. Yep. So I thought about keeping the Niners there just for the sake of, okay, they didn't actually get any worse. They just played an incredible defense and got hurt. Yeah, that's valid. And it's not entirely how I'm doing the power rankings, but right now, if I had to pick a single team to go beat anybody, I'm putting my money on the Dolphins. It's close with the Niners, for sure. The Dolphins are definitely still up there. That's for sure why you and I both have them at number one. Mm-hmm. I will say a friend of mine who's actually a Packers fan sent me a tweet or a post on X, if you will, 
um, that was the Super Bowl we all deserve is to see Mike McDaniel against Dan Campbell with the Lions and Dolphins because it would just be incredible to see them play against each other with how Dan Campbell's excessively aggressive for no reason sometimes. And Mike McDaniel is just flat out fun. Flat out fun and super chill. But to finish it up with our power rankings, like we said, Dolphins on top. I have Chiefs, Niners, Bills, and your Lions rounding out the top five. Yeah, and I even, with the Bills' struggles, dropped them a little bit more. The Chiefs continue to struggle against some bad teams, so I dropped them a bit as well. I've got Finns, Niners, Detroit, Chiefs, Bills for my top five. I do have the Jags right there next and the Eagles right after that. Mm, Me too. The NFC is so wide open. It's going to be big race to end this season. It really is because the Niners are going to be there. The Lions look like they're going to be there. The Eagles on paper should be, but I'm not super confident in what they look like right now. We've kind of been waiting for a reason all season to drop them. Yeah. Every single week we talk about them and we're like, something looks off. Their passing game isn't quite right. Their defense has been good, but nothing feels the same about these Eagles as what was in the Super Bowl. And a good chunk of that is probably because their coordinators are both head coaches on different teams now. But we've been really looking for an excuse and they finally gave us one. Yeah, just not looking like they have a spark. And on the other hand, the Detroit Lions spark all over. Jameson Williams. I, I've got my doubts on him for sure, but this past week, that 45 yard touchdown was pretty. Yeah. That's exactly what they drafted him to do was those long passes and just burning the defenders. And he did. So yeah, we'll see what Detroit can do on the flip side of the league. I was going to say the same exact words. (laughs) It's, it's bad. It's the bears, Panthers, Broncos for me in that order. Broncos is the bottom. Yeah. And I've got the bears, Broncos, Panthers, Panthers at Owen six, haven't really fought against anyone except for the Vikings. And that was essentially only because of turnovers. So I've got them last the Broncos. They gained a little bit of respect for me because they fought against the chiefs, but granted the chiefs have also flundered against a lot of teams that aren't the bears. They're just not good. There are a lot of, they're just not teams that they're just not good. Cause we talked about the Patriots, the giants, the Cardinals, you can lump everybody down there. Kind of the same. And a lot of that, I think, is the eye test. If you watch enough football, you can tell some of these teams are not not as good. Like we said, you have the Raiders at 26. I've got them at 27. And it's possible that going into week eight that they have winning record. And they still are terrible despite that. Because sometimes you play worse terrible teams. It is just kind of crazy this year because... So many teams have question marks. For Detroit, it's their history. Are they going to keep it together? For Mm -hmm. the 49ers, it's going to be, is Brock Purdy legit? For the Eagles, it's, are they going to figure out their passing game? But then on the flip side, it's, you know, is Bryce Young legitimate? Is Sean Payton legitimate? Is Justin Fields going to be a bear? There's just a lot of questions in the entire league this season, despite if you're a quote-unquote good team or a quote-unquote bad team. Yeah, no, that's true. There's some conversations all over of who's going to stick around, who's going to wait out. And we're going to have trade deadline conversation coming up next week. Oh yeah. And we'll see who's moving before the deadline. In the meantime, if you're not already, make sure you follow us on social media at the AD's office on Twitter and Instagram. Follow along for live tweets all weekend and make sure you subscribe to the pod wherever you download the podcast. 
Thanks for hanging with us. Thanks for joining us in the AD's office. Tune in next week as we take you through our takes on the NFL.